anyone know who George Carlin is? Not just, just out of curiosity, do you know who he is? In fact, if you're worshiping with somebody today, um, can you just talk about that? Do you, do, what do you know about George Carlin? Well, for those of you who don't have any clue who George Carlin was, because he's dead now, but he was an actor, he was an author, but first and foremost, he was a comedian. But not just any kind of comedian, he was a, uh, a counter-cultural kind of comedian, a dark comedian. He was a social critic, so his bits were about challenging the norms of language, politics, and religion. <laughs> you know, the things that you're not supposed to talk about with your friends or when your family comes to visit because it's going to start a fight. So because he's that kind of controversial guy, naturally, I love him. And for most people, the kind of stuff that he did, you either love it or you hate it. You are offended by what he says or you find the way that he delivers his insights to be brilliant. But there's really not that much in between. So just to give you, um, if you don't know him, a little taste, uh, here's, here's, here's George Carlin, uh, one of my favorite pieces. Think about it. Religion has actually convinced people that there's an invisible man living in the sky who watches everything you do every minute of every day. And the invisible man has a special list of 10 things he does not want you to do. And if you do any of these 10 things, he has a special place full of fire and smoke and burning and torture and anguish where he will send you to live and suffer and burn and choke and scream and cry forever and ever till the end of time. But he loves you. You know, so, so there you go. Um, yeah, George, George Carlin, I, I love his stuff. Uh, his delivery is, is right on point and his point's taken. So I'll get back to, uh, to George in just a second. Our focus text today, our gospel reading, takes place in what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Now to summarize the scene for you, on a remote hillside, Jesus, a Jewish rabbi, gathers his disciples, all whom are from the, uh, from the peasant class. And they sit down together and the rabbi teaches that in God's kingdom, in God's world, those who are poor in spirit and have to rely solely on God, and that those who can and do mourn for others, and those who do have compassion, and those who hunger and thirst for justice and righteousness in the world, those people, those people are blessed because they are in harmony with the kind of life that God is bringing about and intends. And so then, in the section that we read today, Jesus goes on, Ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Jesus goes on in the section we read today, which closes out the Sermon on the Mount, and says to those with him, Explore, seek out, and ask for these things that I am talking about, these ways of living and being that connect us to, that connect us to God and others more fully. 
And not just ask, Jesus says, but ask with the kind of confidence that one has who reasons that God is as, as at least as generous as human parents. That God at the very least wants nothing but good for God's creation in the same way that good parents want what's good for their kids. I mean, this is Jesus' message in all aspects of his ministry. So, uh, going back to George Carlin, he was before my time, but I do appreciate his point about religion, Christianity in particular. For as long as there's been religion in human culture, God has been used to shame others, to put fear in others. God has been used as a stick to threaten, as a way of getting people in line, to get power, uh, to get compliance from others. Fear tactics in religion are as old as religion itself. In the kind of environment that I am describing now, you don't ask questions. The religious leaders are right. The, their teachings are unquestionable. They are right. Your job is to accept and obey without question. Uh, of course, this is still the case in some, maybe many, Christian circles today. It's why George Carlin's joke still works. It's still funny. At least I think it is in a clever, cutting kind of way. Okay, not quite sure what I'm talking about. All right, I'll give you an example. A week ago, my family and I were able to go to the Minnesota Gophers game against Illinois. It, it was a game that, well, they should have won, but they didn't. Anyway, after finding a place to park, we, we were walking to the game, and we crossed the last street before arriving at the stadium. You can envision this, right? It's the busiest place because it's a spot where everyone is converging from different directions. In the course of the morning, hundreds, if not thousands of people would have crossed that intersection. And as we were crossing with swarms of others, who do I hear? I hear Bullhorn Guy. Do you know who Bullhorn Guy is? Bullhorn Guy has many different faces and can be found across the country at any public place where large groups of people gather. Bullhorn Guy almost always stands on something and has a sign or other material to hand out. And Bullhorn Guy's message is almost always the same. And well, it goes something like this. Let, let, let's see if I can get this right. If you were to die tomorrow, do you know where you'd be going? The wages of sin are death, and you are a sinner. Only through Jesus can you be saved. Beg for forgiveness now before it's too late. Sacraments mean nothing. Confirmation means nothing. It is only by Jesus who can help you. And his message just repeats continuously in a loop. Do you know this guy? So, so we're walking. And I hear him, and I say to my family, hey, it's Bullhorn Guy. And, and they're not impressed. In fact, no one that I can see is impressed. Some people are rolling their eyes, some are looking to, at the ground, some just look angry. Bullhorn Guy's message is based solely in fear, but would probably be described by him as love, because in his mind, he's doing God's work. And in that moment, and in that moment, I was watching a live street performance of George Carlin's act in Minneapolis last Saturday afternoon. It was unbelievable. 
But Bullhorn Guy gets in my head. He always gets in my head. Because every time I hear him, I think about how often fear is used to motivate and how often our own decisions are made out of fear. Politics is almost all fear-based these days because um, people talk about you know, the horrible things that will happen if this person or that person is in office. It, it's all fear-based. Fear-based media headlines work really well. Something like, what five commonly eaten foods will give you cancer? Mm, to find out, subscribe. People wear certain clothes or buy certain things out of fear that they won't fit in with the crowd they're wanting to associate with. Fear is ultimately behind why people curate their social media pictures and posts. It's because they want to portray a particular image and, and a story to go along with it. Because if they were honest and posted what they actually thought or a picture that shows the mess your family actually is at times, oh my God, that would be terrifying because people would judge you and lose respect for you. Parents push their kids to do certain things because of fear that their kids won't be competitive in life. There is the fear of missing out. I mean, I'll stop there, but, but do you get what I'm talking about? Bullhorn Guy and George Carlin got in my head. But it's not just them. So much of life, at least right now, seems to be driven by fear. And that honestly feels awful. At the end of the day, living out of fear is not the kind of life that I believe God is calling us to. So Jesus, after talking to his disciples on the hillside about those ways of being connected to God and others that bring blessing to your life, he invites those listening to ask for and seek out these things, to explore them with confidence that God is good, like a good parent, and will help them find that which brings life. So let me tell you something important. You are only free to ask and seek as Jesus encourages his disciples to do if you are safe, if you are secure, if you are confident that you are not breaking a rule or letting someone down. Kids who grow up in a safe environment like this, they ask questions all the time. Kids who grow up in a rigid authoritarian structure are not free to explore or seek because, well, that's dangerous and it's not allowed and fear keeps them stuck. Fear and love do not pair well. Contrary to all of the examples that I can think of, our faith life and our spirituality should never be paired with fear. So at Bethlehem this week, we are celebrating confirmation. And as kids choose to affirm the promises that they are children of God and willingly continue, as Jesus invites them, to ask and seek out the kingdom of God in their life, and as part of a community, this invitation is by a God who wants peace and wholeness and depth and connection for God's creation. A life lived out of compassion and love, not out of fear, that weighs on us so often. So just to be clear, when we talk about confirmation in, in our community of faith, that is not a culmination of anything. It is not about knowing certain things or completing a program. We are constantly growing and moving and changing with each new experience and loss in life. And if our faith is going to have value in our life, it can't stay the same. Which is why Jesus' invitation to continually seek out and explore what it is to be connected to God who wants the best 
possible life for God's children like a good parent does, that is incredible news for us today. It is a freeing message, and I hope that brings you nothing but goodness today. Thanks be to God for this message of hope and wholeness and peace. Amen. As a way of taking the story deeper into your life and applying it more directly, here are a couple of reflection questions for you today. Question number one, what aspects of your life are being driven by fear right now? Is fear part of your faith and spirituality? And question number two, reflect on your experience. Do you see church life as promoting spiritual exploration to find the life in Jesus' teachings? Or is church life rigid, closed, and controlling?